And this is Encounter with God here on Faith FM. We are continuing on with the show. Um, do need to mention that a number of our, or remind you that a number of our, uh, we, we recorded a lot of interviews up at Big Camp. Yeah, Sunday Funday was an excellent day for recording interviews. There were so many people around doing so many amazing things, you know, so many amazing uh, ministries and, and, and we just we we, we went nuts. Yeah, we just like dragged everyone into our tent and just interviewed. So if you're wondering why you continue to hear Big Camp uh, recorded interviews, it's because we snavelled them up yeah. while we could. Yeah, we did not hold back. It was <laughs> we were like seagulls in a spilt chip packet, we were just going nuts. <laughs> okay, best word image ever. <laughs> it's true, right? We were like, we were this fat <laughs> juicy chip back to the mine, tent with mine, you. Mine. <laughs> That's exactly what we were doing. Okay, okay. Let me hit you with clue number three for our What Book Am I? Let me remind you, ladies and gentlemen, listeners, and the kids as well. Today, we have two prizes going to the list, uh, to the winner of the prize, the Breakfast Bible Quiz. You don't even need to answer it before Lyle. You can just have two if you get this right. I have a copy of The Ministry of Healing, a really wonderful book uh, all about health and healing. You have two copies? Yes, one in English and one in Spanish. There you go. So you must, everybody knows someone who speaks Spanish. That's right. That's right. It's one of the most spoken languages. So you get one for yourself and one for your friend. Or you can have the Spanish one and give the English one away. Or you can just keep both. Or you can give both away. There are multiple things you can do with this book. <laughs> you can you can get them and be like, oh, that's my Christmas shopping done. And then just save them until December. Either which way, two copies. Come on now. Two books, ladies and gentlemen. All right, two all right. books. Give us the clue. Give us the clue. What do we got? What book am I? And not the Ministry of Healing. That's a surprise. But what book am I? Of the Bible. Of the Bible. What book of the Bible? With 1,151 verses, I am the longest book in the New Testament. Mm. 1,151 verses, the longest book yeah, in I've the New Testament. I've been seeing some phone calls come through, but nobody's nobody's actually managed to uh, grab this one yet. Mm. So. Give us a call if you think you know the answer. 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. You can text if you prefer 491 Zero six four six six nine, and uh, we'll send you the prize if you're right. We'll send you both the prizes. And of course, don't forget if you are uh, traveling through an area where you have a bit of a weak signal, you'd like to get a stronger signal, then the solution is easy. You need to do what everybody else is doing and listen to Faith FM radio on your phone. Uh, run it through your car stereo and uh, problem solved right there. Yes, right. You can do it with an aux cord. You can do it on a tape player. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Just get a tape player insert, plug it into your phone, you're up and running. Yeah. Piece of cake. And you'll get perfect signal everywhere. You'll never drive away from the signal. You'll never get into that really amazing Bible study halfway through it and then... That's true. It is Very easy. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. That's right. Absolutely. Okay. So our Bible study today continues with cycles of life and we've been t- particularly been looking at the different stages of life and relationships and... Uh, we looked at death and loneliness yesterday. We looked at uh, when a marriage ends. We looked at the unmarried life. And today we are looking at being spiritually single. Ooh, this is interesting. I don't even know what that means. I was going to ask you, do you, do, do you know what that means? I did not know what that mean, meant well, before I went through. I'm spiritual, through. but... But you are not spiritually single according, single according to the definition we are given here. Oh, I think I, I think I understand what you mean, but go on, go on. All right, so let me read a uh, let me read a little story here just to introduce what this is actually Ooh, talking a about. A young woman named Natalie had been married for seven years when, at the invitation of a friend, she attended an evangelistic series at a church. 
Uh, convicted by what she learned, she surrendered her heart to Christ and had a new birth experience. Despite the strenuous objections of her husband, parents, in-laws, even her next-door neighbour, Natalie joined the church. She also adjusted her lifestyle to every degree possible to her new newfound faith. As one could imagine, she faced a great deal of pushback. What made it especially hard was her husband who argued from his point of view. This is not what I signed up for when we got married. You are a whole new person. I want the old one back. For years now, she has been struggling to live a life of faith. Though married, she is what we would call spiritually single. In other words, she's a married person whose partner is not uh, with her um, in her spiritual journey. Okay, so that's totally not what I thought it would mean, um, but I have actually experienced that. So, yeah. Right. And it's heartbreaking. In fact, those words that you read out, <laughs> and that was like a flashback um, of my ex-boyfriend uh, telling me that he didn't like who I'd become when I was trying to become a Christian and that he didn't want to see this person. He wanted the old Monica back. And that was really heartbreaking for me. Yeah, that's um, tough. And it was one of the one of the contributing factors as to why we broke up. By the grace of God, because it was a you know was becoming an unequally yoked relationship and I would have had to leave it behind anyway to follow God. Um, but yeah, I know exactly what that feels like and it is really, really hard. Mm. And I guess the uh, the advantage, if you can call it an advantage, was that you weren't married exactly. at the time. Exactly. You didn't have a family, you didn't have children. Amen to all that. Because if you then had to live your life with that, how would you have coped? Yeah, really, really not well. I mean, there was the opportunity to have gone down that path. He did ask and, and, and I hadn't. Uh, really responded seriously. Um, but I look back now, and even though it was heartbreak at the time, I'm so grateful to God that um, that it did end and I was able to continue a relationship with God instead of a relationship with this guy. So, yeah, mm. my heart goes out to people who have had that experience. Although at the same time, people who sometimes sign up for that experience, it's like, what were you thinking? And that's something that I find altogether too common. Is I, I find people who are Christians who are very, very blasé about jumping into a relationship with a non-Christian. You've been there, Mon. Yeah. What would your advice be? Stay as far away as you possibly like. Don't even don't even entertain the thought. Like we described yesterday, Lyle. Like you said, people don't fall in love; they choose to be in love. So as soon as you find that you're, don't even let your mind start thinking down that path over someone who isn't in love with Jesus. I don't even let it. Don't even. Don't even let that thought start. Don't even cultivate it. Don't, don't even let it germinate in your brain. Okay, so when we're looking for a uh, a life partner, we all have non negotiables, and this one should be at the top of our list. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like I just don't get. I don't get people who are like, oh yeah, we're going on a date. I know I'm not going to marry him because you know he's not a Christian. But one day, like, what are you thinking? Yeah. If you're not going to marry him because he's not a Christian, why are you even entertaining him? What about flirt to convert? No, no, it's just a disaster. There. <sighs> And it's crazy because, you know, I have friends who are like, oh, but it worked for this person or it worked for that person. You know, those are like the absolute exceptions to the rule. You almost wish it didn't. Yeah, that's right. Because so, it creates an exception. Yeah, yeah it's, it's and then true. People, and then people use that as an excuse to get into terrible, terrible, destructive relationships. Yeah, and then you have like the people who who marry uh, non-Christians and then, um, you know, they end up it, – it's not necessarily that the person becomes belligerent towards them. They might be in a loving relationship but they find themselves distancing themselves from God. Hmm. There will always be distance created, either between you and God or between you and your spouse. So. Okay, so let me just say this to you. If you're a listener this morning who is um, in a courtship 
type relationship with somebody who is not a Christian and you are a Christian, uh, let me say this in the kindest possible way, but you need to get on the phone right now. If you're driving on the road, pull over to the side of the road. You need to get on the phone right now. You need to break up that relationship because the sooner that you can, um, the sooner you're going to save yourself a, a, a world of heartache. Yeah, get out now. And, 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 I, and I say this because I have seen it over and over. I haven't experienced it like Monica has, but being in ministry, being a pastor, it is something that I have seen so, so many times, just the level of heartbreak that comes from being married to somebody that is a, or choosing from choosing to marry somebody who is a non-believer. Yeah. It's just, it's just never worth it. And with the flirt to convert thing, you know, you have to realize that what you win them with is what you win them to. So if you flirted someone into the church, they're not attending church because they love Jesus. They're, they're attending church because they're into you, which is not a sustainable relationship for that person with God at all. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, we have, we have this quote um, from a really great book called Adventist Home where it says, if you want to experience a life, uh, a home where the shadows are never lifted – then enter into a relationship with a non-believer. And it's absolutely a million percent true. Any Anyone who's ever grown up in a home like that can tell you there's just darkness all the time. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, it's, just, mm-hmm. it's not worth it. It's not worth your life. Yeah. Okay. Now that ne- now, nevertheless, this particular Bible study focuses on people who are already married and one of the two partners gives their life to Jesus Christ. The other partner is opposed to it because it's very, very true. When a person gives their life to Christ, they become a very, very different person to what they were before. Yeah, if you find yourself in this in this sort of situation, do not despair. There is hope. Absolutely. It's just going to be a hard journey, but there is still hope. And often you find that over time the, uh, the other person will come to appreciate the really positive character attributes that are created by Christianity. But not always. That is not always the case. And so we need to understand how do we deal with this situation. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 5. Isaiah 54 and verse 5. What do you got for us there, Mon? Isaiah 54. Let me just get there. I feel like my pages have been stuck together ever since they got damp at camp. Damp at camp. Okay, 54 and verse 5, right? Mm -hmm. For your creator will be your husband. The Lord of heaven's armies is his name. He is your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of all the earth. Okay, so this is a uh, it's an encouraging verse, I think, for many people who are lonely. Um, this one is particularly focused at women, but it applies to men as well. We're going to read some other verses here this morning that are focused at men, but equally apply to women. Um, what do you find encouraging about this verse, Mon? Uh, it, I mean, it speaks to um, a cure for loneliness, like... There's no need to be lonely when you have, uh, you know, a relationship with your heavenly Father. Yeah, absolutely. And we talked about this um, somewhat uh, yesterday and the day before. The difference between being alone and being and, and loneliness, and how that loneliness is one of the biggest issues that we have in our world right now, and an issue that need not be there because there is Jesus Christ. There is, you know, God the Father, ruler and creator of the whole universe. There is, you know, a whole church community that is there to be there for lonely people. That's, Amen. That's, that's, what, that's what they all exist for. Let's go over to Hosea chapter 2 and verse 19. And if you are a lonely person this morning and you're listening in, don't be lonely anymore. 
head along to your local church and you're going to find a whole community of people there that are going to smile and welcome you when you walk into that church. If they don't, go to the next church, you know what I mean? <laughs> Seriously. Um, but there are very few churches that are, that are so toxic that you won't just you know, have a massive welcome. And let me say this as well. You know where you'll often find the best welcome? Where? Small churches. That's absolutely true. Yep. Uh, some people think, oh, if I go to the biggest church, it's going to have the most amount of friends. You know nope. what? Um, I've pastored big churches, I've pastored small churches, and I often find the small churches are the ones where you can never be missed. That's it. I 100% agree with you. I had a lady working for me in uh, when I worked at the Discovery Center, and she'd been attending a very large church, a church of you know over a 1,000 members, and she'd been attending, attending that church for 14 years, and one day the greeter at the door welcomed her and asked her whether she was visiting for the first time. Ooh. 14 years. 14 years. Yes. That's not great. No. That's, not great. <laughs> That's pretty sad. Okay, so Hosea chapter 2, and uh, why don't you read for us verse 19 and 20, please, Mon. Hosea chapter 2. Do you know, I almost said you the thing. I got to find it. You have to read it, but I found it in the nick of time. 19 and 20 says, I will make you my wife forever, showing you justice, uh, showing you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. I will be faithful to you and make you mine, and you will finally know me as the Lord. Okay, and this is, you know, in the context of the story of uh, Hosea. Now, Hosea was married to a wife who was very unfaithful to oh, him. It's a terrible story. Um, it's, it's, you know, well, he, heartbreaking. It's a heartbreaking story. It's a heartbreaking story of human brokenness. Yeah. Um, to summarize the story, basically what happened was that Hosea um, had been appointed a prophet by God to the northern nation of Israel that was in terrible, terrible apostasy from God. And having been appointed there, you know, he heads off to his new ministry. And when he arrives there, God tells him, okay, I want you to go and to marry. Uh, Goma, who is a prostitute, but not only is she just a prostitute, but that she is the daughter of a prostitute. Which makes it worse. Which makes it worse because you've got generational abuse. You've got, uh, particularly in those days, you've got, uh, you know, Goma growing up in the brothel, probably being being abused from, you know, from her childhood. Uh, or, you know, we, we could say confidently, I believe, definitely abused from her childhood. Um, never experiencing true love or in- intimacy, never having a father, never knowing who her father is. You know, none of these, you know, she would have been an incredibly broken person. Yeah. Never understanding what what real love and intimacy is all about, but always longing for it because every human being is always longing for that kind of thing. And she gets this opportunity. It's the break of a lifetime because, you know, prostitutes were the untouchable. They were the ones who could never be married in that culture and uh, could never have security, could never have love, could never experience any of the things that every little girl looks forward to one day in their life, and suddenly she has this opportunity. You know, she has a marriage proposal, and not only is it just a marriage proposal, it's a really decent one from a really decent guy. It's like a life-changing opportunity for her. This is the break of a lifetime, and you would expect that somebody would grab that opportunity and never, ever let go of it. But I think we sometimes underestimate just how much sin breaks and destroys a person and abuse. How it just, you know, it's, sets it's, a pattern. It, it sets a pattern. And now she's in an environment where, you know, the entire nation is suddenly looking at her. She is the pastor's wife. She is the gossip of the entire nation. Everybody's looking at her. Everybody's talking about how that, you know, she's a prostitute and she's married to the prophet. Um, and that would have been incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah, 
And you can see what happens is if you read down through the story, she starts to um, she starts to fall apart. She starts to go back to her her old ways. She starts to have affairs, and then she just goes back to prostitution again. And you can understand that you know, having grown up with it, it would almost be a normal space. Absolutely, she's doing what she knows. Um, it would be a way of avoiding the incredible discomfort of being the gossip of the entire nation. The discomfort of being seen by everybody and everybody, you know, because as a, as a prostitute, it's like, oh, yeah, she's the prostitute. But as the prostitute who is the pastor's wife, that's different. And that's a lot of pressure. And you can just see her, you read down through the story, the tragedy of the story, you see her bending under the pressure and listening to the lies of Satan. And this is really what, you know, um, I've seen over and over again where Satan comes to a person and says, look, this is who you are. You're never going to be anything different from this. And when she falls and when she sins, the devil says exactly the same thing. Look, you just you just acted out who you are. Why are you trying to change? Why bother changing? You can't change. You have done this sin before. You're going to do this sin again. Don't bother. And eventually she just leaves Hosea. Leaves him, leaves his uh, three children and uh, and lives a terrible life, really, um, until uh, eventually in her old age she is sold as a slave because, you know, prostitution, unfortunately, is a uh, profession that does have a use-by date. Use mm-hmm. That's the tragedy of it. She reaches that use-by date. That's her only option. She's got no age care that's available to her. She's sold as a slave, and Hosea buys her back. And this is what we're reading about in, in these passages here. He does not buy her back to be her master. He buys her back and he says, you will be my wife. He restores her to the full position of you know, being his wife. This isn't a culture where you know, um, death by stoning could take place for somebody who commits adultery. And he's like, no, you're going to be my wife. You're never going to leave. You're never going to, you know, and I am going to, you know, and he talks about how he wants to take her on a wilderness retreat and he wants to to woo her and to love her, you know, and she finds redemption um, through Hosea at the end of her life. And, and it was a, a lifetime object lesson of Christ's redemption for us. And it tells us about the level of love that Jesus has for every one of us. We have treated Jesus so badly. In so many of the things that we have done, we have let him down, we have disappointed him, and yet he comes to us and he comes with, uh, regardless of where we have been, how far we have fallen into sin, how much we have rejected him, how much we have broken his heart, he comes to us and he says, I'm going to buy you back. And it's not, you know, with, uh, you know, barley and so forth as Hosea did. Jesus bought us back with his own blood. That's the level of love that Jesus has for us. One more verse here, Mon. Uh, Psalm 72 and verse 12. Psalms 72 and verse 12. He will rescue the poor when they cry to him. He will help the oppressed who have no one to defend them. Okay. And, and I think this is, you know, we need to look for these kinds of verses of encouragement whenever we are feeling down, whenever we are feeling oppressed. Um, you know, our faithfulness to God should be paramount above everything else. And, you know, Paul talks about those, you know, women who are married, who give their lives to Jesus Christ and their husbands haven't. 
persevere and to win their husbands by their good and honest and godly behavior. You know, it's by living that, you know, that exemplar, exemplary life. I can't get my tongue around that particular word right there. And so this is an opportunity, but it's an opportunity that can be incredibly hard at times, and God gives his encouragement to those who are in these difficult situations. We're going to listen to True North. This is a song about the story of Hosea. Listen carefully to these words. It will touch your heart today. Go plead with your mother Were the words of Hosea As he sent his children to extend his mercy So they journeyed down the old path That led to much destruction was paid 
That was True North with I've Come to Take You Home, the story of Hosea and Goma here on Faith FM. Nobody has snapped up the prize yet. It's still out there. Two copies of Ministry of Healing, one in English, one in Spanish. Espanol. Habla Espanol. Yes. That. Two prizes today. <laughs> I don't know if I got that right. I don't know about your Spanish accent. Where is your Spanish accent from? Look, is I lived in Valencia for a while. Or a South American accent or a Central American accent. I, I prefer the uh, the South American one. Oh, the South American yeah, one. Yeah, I don't like the European Spaniards. Sorry, European Spaniards. Yeah. But I don't like how they say the th instead of the z. I, I like the way that um, European Spanish make paella. Yeah, paella's not bad. Yeah, yeah. Paella's yeah. not bad. Uh -huh. But I don't like... Uh -huh. you, know, you know the, the letter the Z? The vegetarian one. Yeah, 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 of course. The letter Z, they actually pronounce it as a TH sound. So you can't say zapatos, which means shoes. You say zapatos, which just sounds like you have a lisp. <laughs> anyway, we're way off track. <laughs> Give us a call if you know the answer to this quiz. It's a what book am I? And the fourth clue is this. More of Jesus' parables are found in here than any other book of the Bible. Mm. Some of these, some of these, uh, you know, some of these clues here. I think you know it narrows it down to what, one of four um, with that clue right there. But some of them have been like, eh. whereas others have been, you know, one one or two clues there have been very, very specific. The next one's really going to give it away. Okay. Yeah. Well, call now one eight hundred three two four eight four three. This will be your last chance because the next one. <laughs> We are told, excuse me. Was that <laughs> the rush, it was a <laughs> Where did that come from? Our producer came in in the song break and was like, I'm going to get you guys to bring in $10 in 20 cent coins. And every time you hiccup or burp or sneeze or cough or anything into the microphone, you have to stick 20 cents in the chart. So yeah, well, that one have been sort of um, I think that was worth 80 cents, that and one. <laughs> and I was about to get rid of it before we switched the microphone to live. And I'm like, ah, no, I can survive this. Apparently, I could not. Anyway, we're in the book of Back Proverbs. Back to our uh, Bible study. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 5 and verse... Let's start in verse 3. Just start reading for us there. We'll read some verses. For the lips of an immoral, immoral woman are sweet as honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is as bitter as poison, as dangerous as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave, for she cares nothing about the pain to life. She staggers down a crooked trail and doesn't realize it. Man, Solomon is not holding back yeah. in this passage Shots right here. fired. <laughs> he starts off, you know, with the, with the crooked and the immoral woman. And it's like, okay, she sounds kind of nice there for a moment. Yeah, sweet as honey, and smooth as oil. It's like, yeah, that sounds nice. And then, wow, mm. he just comes out swinging. And the reason is that Solomon is able to speak from experience, vast experience right here. A huge amount. Um, and uh, as a result of that, he is able to um, – he, he's really, you know, he, he he has slept with lots and lots of women. He's been married to nearly a thousand of them. Uh, it's it's sort of the lifestyle that he chose, and it was incredibly destructive for him. He's writing the book of Proverbs at the end of his life, and he's saying, "Look, this is a really, really, really terrible idea." Yeah, yeah. His his life was ruined by his 
uh, lack of self-control when it came to women. And he was the most brilliant, intelligent person yep. who ever lived on the planet. And mm-hmm. unbelievably wealthy. He built you know, and created the Israelite empire. You know, there's an empire that stretched from the river of Egypt to the Euphrates. I mean, that's a massive, massive empire in its day. This was the peak of Israel. Israel never achieved anything as big or as grand either before or after Solomon's time. And so he did so much, and yet this was the one area that let him down, and it let him down epically. And so he writes about it, and he, he doesn't hold back. Read us some more verses there, Mon. So now, my sons, listen to me. Never stray from what I'm about to say. Stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. If you do, you will lose your honor and will lose to merciless people all you have achieved. Strangers will consume your wealth and someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. In the end, you'll groan in anguish when disease consumes your body. You will say, how I hated discipline. If only I had not ignored all the warnings. Oh, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to my instructors? I have come to the brink of utter ruin, and now I must face public disgrace. Wow. Mm-hmm. Utter ruin, public disgrace, strong words that Solomon is using here um, about the consequences involved with a illicit... Sexual liaison. Yeah, promiscuous lifestyle. Promiscuous lifestyle. And I think that, you know, we have probably all seen that. I mean, how many. Let's look at the Australian political Mm, landscape today if you want to see an example of how this takes place. Um, You know, we've just had the the, the, um, One Nation politician who's just been embroiled in exactly what we're reading about right here. It has destroyed his political future. Yeah. It has destroyed his hopes and his aspirations and, you know, all the things that he wanted to do for this country. Yeah, the next few verses are ones that he should have maybe read before he went to a strip joint. Okay, uh, read on. Uh, where was I? Okay, drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in the streets, having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an immoral woman or fondle the breasts of a promiscuous woman? Which is pretty much exactly what he was up to. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's like straight out of that uh, particular playbook right there. Um, and, you know, it really does illustrate. And, you know, sometimes the Bible is accused of being prudish. Yeah, but sure isn't prudish in these verses. Not at all. Yeah, sure God straight. knew what he was talking about. God knew, you know, and, and, and even in our secular culture today, when a person goes down this path, it is always looked down on. It does not matter whether a person comes from a religious background or not, when a person is unfaithful to their spouse, when a person, you know, heads down the path that is described right here, even secular society looks down on it to the point that, you know, recent politician cannot continue in politics as yeah. a result of it. Yeah. And the last the last three verses of this chapter really uh, exemplify where this ends, where this path goes. Uh, I'll read it for you. For the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. An evil man is held captive by his own sins. They are ropes that catch and hold him, for he will die for lack of self-control. He will be lost because of his great foolishness. That's addiction right there. That's, that's a perfect yeah. description of addiction. 
Now, I do want to say this, that, you know, when you look at the Bible and the Bible says, you know, don't have sex outside of marriage, just don't do it. It's going to bring disaster. It's going to bring heartache. It's going to bring pain. Uh, the reason God God says this is not because he's trying to be prudish, but because he loves us and he wants us to be happy and he wants us to experience happiness. You know, that's what it's all about right here. And, you know, if you are ever wondering whether the Bible is prudish or not, just go and read the book of the Song of Solomon. Yeah, I think the whole 60s, we should go back in a time machine and just get the 60s to read, you know, why spill the water of your spring in the streets having sex with just anyone? Because yeah. that was the whole sexual that revolution the, that's of right. 60s. Just have sex with anyone. The Bible said don't do it. You're going to mess up your life. And it's interesting that society is almost beginning to go back to Scripture these days and say, you know what, that wasn't such a... Good idea yeah, back amen. then. It, it created a lot of disasters. And, of course, this particular passage is aimed at men because Solomon is a man and he is um, you know, speaking from his own perspective. He's giving you – know, this is almost like Solomon's own personal testimony of where he has gone, where he has uh, you know, um, messed his own life, life up. But when you go to Song of Solomon chapter 4 – uh, we find it from a from a woman's perspective, or the man writing about a woman and writing about what he so values about his woman, his wife. Um, this is to be this is believed to be um, Solomon's love letter that he and his first wife write together. Um, and according to tradition, it was after she died that he sort of really fell apart. And things went downhill from there. But, uh, yeah, Mon, why don't you read for us? Uh, oh, there's so much interesting verses here. But uh, chapter 4, verse, say, um, 12 to 15. You are my private garden, my treasure, my bride, a secluded spring, a hidden fountain. Your thighs sl- shelter a paradise of pomegranates with rare spices, henna with nard, nard and saffron, fragrant calamus and cinnamon, with the trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes, and every other lovely spice. It's such a stark contrast to what we just read in the end, you will groan in anguish when disease consumes your body. Like, just such contrast. Yeah, and it's because, you know, as it says here um, in verse 12, a private mind says, a spring shut up, a fountain sealed. Yeah. It was just for him, nobody, for nobody else, any, mm-hmm. no one else. It was something that was private between them. And uh, a lot of people read this and say, wow, they were into agriculture. No, they're not talking about agriculture here. Um, this is, uh, you read the Song of Solomon, and uh, this is a book that is all about sex and intimacy. The whole book is about sex and intimacy. Very, very beautiful book, and uh, one of the few books in the Bible that I actually do prefer to read from a modern translation because the uh, the poetic language is just so powerful and so rich. Anyway, we need to move on. Uh, we're going to have Ron and Patty Valant with Song of Solomon. Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come on. 
Part of camping caravanning scene? Join Australia's largest annual national gathering of travellers and caravanners at the Stewart's Point Convention Centre this year, Stewart's Point, New South Wales. It's an amazing campground among the trees. Inspirational Christian speakers. With incredible music. And beautiful beaches. And a relaxing environment. Be part of the community and make friends for life. May 10 through 18, Stewart's Point Caravan and Convention Centre. Contact Debbie on 024994-3220 or simply email graynomads at adventist.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
to Faith FM. I'm going to hit you with the clues again for this quiz and then I'm going to give you a brand new one. What book am I? Number one, there are more references to demons in this book than any other book in the Bible, total of 23 of them. This book was written after its author had investigated everything from the beginning with 1,151 verses. I am the longest book in the New Testament. More of Jesus's parables are found here than in any other book. And our final clue, I am the third book of the New Testament. Okay, 1-800-324-843 is the number if you know the answer to that one. Give us a call. We've had a bunch of people trying to call up and uh, been sort of heading different directions. But now I think you'll be able to get it yeah, kind of easily. Easy. So give us a call right now. It is time for question of the day, Lyle. It is indeed. Boy, oh boy, have I got a corker for you. We do indeed. Okay. I'm really pleased about the person who sent this question in. Great question. Listen up. How is it possible... If all the animals came out of Noah's Ark at the same location, that we have certain species, like the Pislintate in the Northern Hemisphere and the marsupials in the Southern Hemisphere, and they're exclusive to their hemispheres. Yeah, a really, really good question right there. Uh, you would think that if all of the animals originate in one place, then you're going to have an even spread of animals right the way around the world. So we right. need to understand, you know, how did animals spread around the world? Why do we have endemic species? You know, a species that is that only exists in one particular location. Yeah, like how do the cockers wind up just on rottenness? That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so what we're going to look at is, um, first of all, we're going to look at four streams of uh, evidence right here. And what you're going to find is that the flood model actually creates a better model for explaining what we see in the natural world right now than what an evolutionary model does. So the biggest problem with the evolutionary model is the big gaps that you have where you have some species, you know, in South America and the same species in Southeast Asia and none of them in between. Okay, so an evolutionary model has a problem with that because evolution says that each species uh, evolved in its own location. Um, and we have many, many examples that are similar to that. So the, the evolution model really, really struggles with explaining this kind of a situation. However, if you begin with all of the animals in one place, first of all, how do they spread around the world? And then secondly, why do you get species that are endemic to certain areas? The first thing we're going to talk about is log mats. So whenever you have a major disaster, say, for instance, uh, the eruption of Mount St. Helens, where you had more than a million trees were dumped into Spirit Lake. It creates a very large floating island. And of course, this was a, a, a disaster on, for major proportions for us, but incredibly minute compared to the flood where you've got continents being created, mountain ranges being created. You've got vegetation that we know pre-flood era was at least a thousand feet thick. And so, you know, that's, that's three, four times taller than any of the trees that we have in our world right now. So you can imagine the enormous floating islands that this would have created. And, of course, they would drift all around the world. Now, if you've got a very limited number of species, say, for instance, kangaroos, and you have, you know, a couple of other marsupials that then join one of these floating islands, it's, it's most likely that, uh, you know, that they can float to other parts of the world. But it's most likely that... They will either all go on there together because they're hanging around as a group or those that are left behind will be too small of a population to actually sustain the species. 
And so then, um, you know, as they drift around the world, of course, that's going to create endemic species because wherever they land is going to be a location where only that species exists because they came from such a small population coming from the ark. And so that's what's going to um, one of the ways that you're going to get endemic species. Another example of uh, how these forms is the 2011 uh, Japanese earthquake, where you had um, a, a debris mat uh, that was a hundred kilometres long, 186,000 square metres, and it supported its own entire ecosystem. You know, just started drifting through the ocean. And so we know that this is a uh, a very real thing that does take place. And, um, and, and is, is a way. And what it does is when you actually look at the ocean currents and the drift currents in the world, it will give you a very good map of how, um, endemic species have come onto certain islands, but also coastlines. And you'll find a very good map of how particularly vegetation has been transported around the world and why you'll find some things in South America and the same thing in Southeast Asia, but not anywhere in between. Um, anyway, the other thing that we need to talk about, of course, is land bridges. Uh, straight after the flood, you've got a lot of warm earth, warm, warm water you know, in the ocean because of volcanic activity that's creating a lot of uh, moisture in the atmosphere, um, which is going to bring on an ice age. Um, and as a result of an ice age, you're going to have much, much lower ocean levels combined. So that's going to create land bridges combined with ice bridges in the north. And of course, people are, uh, people and animals are going to travel around the world as a result of that, um, to very many, many places. And so this is going to result in the spread of species that are less endemic. And so you get some animals that you find kind of, you know, all over the world. And the reason being is because, you know, they didn't evolve in place. They actually spread right around the world. Um, then, of course, you have human immigration. You know, the Bible says go out and explore and inhabit the world and animals that were useful for humans would be taken with them. Um, here in Australia, we have some good examples with dingoes and feral cats and so forth that are exist here in this country as a result of human immigration. And then, of course, you have competition. So placentals outcompete marsupials. We know this because marsupials have only survived in areas where there are no major placental uh, um, um, what's the, I've gone blank on the right word, but, you know, predators, predators. predators. I'm going to say violent animals, but predators. So you've got no major, uh, so we know that marsupials, we've found marsupials right across the world. You find marsupials, you know, Asia, Africa, North America, South America, Europe. You find the remains, the skeletons, the fossils, etc., of marsupials right through these regions. We know that they were inhabited, but they were out-competed by placentals, but we don't have major placental um, predators here in Australia, so therefore the marsupials have survived and done exceptionally well. And so these are the four lines of evidence. Wish I had more time to go into it. Don't have more time. We are out of time. Um, there's some great articles on this with uh, Creation Science uh, Ministries where they go into great detail and they map it all out and you can see how it all spread around the world. But uh, four lines of evidence by which um, this kind of speciation can take place. <coughs> oh, sorry. Or spread of species, I should say. Give us a call if you have a question. 1-800-FAITH-FM. Sorry, I just coughed at the microphone again. Stay tuned for the giveaway right after this. Who made 
mountain Who made the tree Who made the river Carter and Carter, somebody bigger than you and I here on Faith FM this morning. And we are about to give something away for free. You don't have to enter a quiz. Mon has had you all confused this morning, but this is, this for is free. Desire Just of Agents. Just be the first person to call through. 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. I decided to give away today a copy of a beautiful book called The Desire of Ages, God's Greatest Gift. We've been talking a little bit about uh, you know, loneliness, relationships, uh, marriage, sex. Uh, this book, The Desire of Ages, is exactly what we all deeply crave, deep in our hearts. Um, and this book will, will point you in the direction of what can fulfill that. And... Um, can just be uh, a source of inspiration, uh, enlightenment, just a satisfying 
life that you can lead no matter what situation you're placed in. It will lead you to Jesus Christ who will truly fill that God-shaped hole that is in every person's life. And if you can feel that there is something missing from your life, that there is a hole in your life somewhere, then you can try and fill that with anything you want, but only Jesus can fill that hole. And this book is all about Jesus. Amen. Give us a call now. 1-800-FAITH-FM is the number. Get your copy of The Desire of Ages by E.G. White, God's Greatest Gift. Considered to be the greatest book ever written on the life of Christ by the Library of Congress in the United States, um, The Desire of Ages. And, of course, don't forget, if you'd like to know more about the Bible, then we have some amazing Bible studies. In fact, we have a whole Bible study series just on the life and parables of Jesus that you can do and just give us a call on our number, 1-800-324-843. We will get you in touch with the Discovery Center where you can do any number of a whole bunch of different Bible courses. Get a certificate for it at the end. You're listening to Faith. Darling, I will stay with you as you follow. God's way May my heart be an expression of God's own heart for you Faithful unstoppable true Let me comfort your heart when the ways rough lift your All through 